Hello, Grey Wolves. Hello, Chapo Premium subscribers. This is our uh, second uh, premium show uh, for this week, uh, bringing you this banging uh, extra content for those of you who are in the inner circle. And if you're really in the inner circle, uh, you were perhaps in the audience at uh, Brooklyn Commons last night for our live show uh, with Katie Halper and uh, Ronnie Akalik. So uh, if you were in the crowd last night, uh, extra props to you. I hope you enjoyed yourself because I know we did. Yeah, you got uh, that was a really fucking cool crowd. Uh, I only speak for myself. I was pretty nervous. I've never done like a live thing in front of a crowd before. But you guys were an unbelievable crowd, and thank you to Katie and Gabe, who were very good hosts, really eased us in. We had a fucking awesome time, and we'd like to do more live stuff in the future. Yeah, we got the taste. <laughs> once, once I realized I could get, uh, you know, a single beer comped, I was like, this is what rock and roll is like. Yeah, I got my, walking I got my on stage, free beer in my hand. Just, that is, that's the mountaintop. I got like fucking seven dollars in free coffees. This is, I mean, I technically did not get paid, but uh, this was a profitable enterprise for me. We're gonna have the uh, the Chop Oak, uh, the epic uh, concert rider, fairly soon. Yeah, uh, we'll only take cups of lean that are purple. We don't want any of that shit with Fanta, with orange Fanta. No, no, no. no I see. I see. No, 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 I, I disagree. I no sprite for me. Only pineapple Fanta for me. Yeah, see, and that's you the have only to, that's the only thing I will drink lean from. Our styrofoam cups that you give us, they can't touch. They have to be double. Yeah. So again, thanks to Katie Halper. We had an awesome time doing the live show, and like it was the first time all three of us were uh, together in sharing the same space. But uh, it won't be the last for sure. We'd like to do more of these. Uh, as we said, we'd like to do more of these live shows. So, I hope that uh, at some point. Uh, smash a watermelon with like Peter Dow's <laughs> face on it or something. That's, I, that's oh, and uh, or like the base extra shout out as a watermelon and get them all <laughs> over the crowd. I was gonna say extra shout out. Um, I I don't think uh, I met you, but the guy who made us uh, the baseball crank. Uh, oh, Chase, right? Yeah. He made us the baseball crank. Uh, like uh, screen uh, screen prints. He did some original prints of the baseball crank face for us to. Uh, plaster the city with one of the best birthday presents i've ever gotten thank you thank you chase yeah those are really good uh i think if we go on tour we should give it a really like a really cool name like the unsafe spaces tour (laughs) coming for your demo milo watch your ass i mean yeah uh we are biting into milo's demo because as you guys know if you are listening to this you're part of the chapel gray wolves and you're very representative of our larger audience in that you are 107% male. <laughs> <laughs> and most likely incel. Or volcel. I mean, it's really... We I, think, are, I, I gotta say, the crowd last night looked mostly volcel to me. Yeah, they were volcel. Definitely. They were voting their bodies mainly... for the revolution. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, for, for this week's bonus show, um, we're gonna have... Um, an extra spice, some extra cuts from that uh, great uh, Ron Fournier bit that we did with Virgil Texas. We have some uh, some some juicy uh, bonus content that didn't make the cut uh, for um, the the main show, and we're gonna play that in a second. But um, the main topic uh, for today's uh, bonus show is a guy who 
figured as a very minor character in the Chapo universe. Uh, all the way back in episode two, he made a sort of a cameo appearance. But true to form, um, we have begun to bend uh, the curve of reality to our morbid will and have entered the dead zone in the Chapo universe that has begun to predict um, the horrible future to come. And of course, I'm talking about uh, the David French uh, and Bill Crystal's like independent bid for uh, the presidency, which is certainly the nadir of uh, the Never Trump movement. So I feel like uh, I before to like this week, I was probably one of I would guess a thousand people in the United States who uh, knew who David French was and was familiar with him in any way. But man, uh, talk about being in the right place at the right time to uh, comment on this news story. Uh, that is exactly us. As you can imagine, I feel like Bill Crystal, uh, like any essentially lazy child, uh, he hyped it up before Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day re- weekend, rather, and said, it was a great, I have a huge, great candidate. And from what I could tell, he spent all of Memorial Day weekend trying to contact, like, Ben Sass, Paul Ryan. He, was, he spent all of Memorial Day weekend trying to get Mitt Romney to talk to him. Yeah, and Mitt Romney was like, no, uh, we are trying to pray for the dead soldiers to bring them to Kolob for Memorial Day. Never <laughs> address me again. You carry the mark of Cain. And uh, so he went through his National Review Rolodex of the people he knows there and Kevin Williamson was having a dungeon party. Uh, Podoritz was trapped in an elevator. And he said, hey, uh, let me get the decrepit old man who wrote an article called Stop Calling Me Cuck, loves World of Warcraft, and his biggest single issue is being a bathroom warrior. Okay. Uh, now, Dave, like, like I said, back, way back in episode two, David French made a cameo appearance on the show as kind of the Renfield to Kevin Williams, uh, Kevin Williamson's fat Dracula, in, uh, in that he did a sort of uh, defense of Kevin Williamson's Kill the Poor article. But this guy's main uh, bailiwick is um, sex panic and uh, gay. He's, he's, he, as Felix mentioned, he is a huge bathroom warrior, but he is also uh, obsessed with basically, you know, uh, gay, hates gay people, can't stand gay marriage, uh, can't stand uh, straight people who have sex outside of marriage. Like, I mean, he like he's a he's a, kind of in the Rod Dreher mold of a moral hysteria. And uh, I've prepared a. A couple things. Uh, I want to I read from uh, a few of his articles just to give you uh, sort of a sense of who this guy is. I, I forget the context uh, for this, but this is just one paragraph from, actually uh, just one sentence from uh, David French. And he says, I can't count the number of friends and neighbors whose marriages have been impacted by porn. From wives feeling betrayed when they discover it on their husband's computer to husbands who find themselves no longer attracted to their wives. I've seen porn cause divorce, and I've seen cause years of heartache as couples struggle to rebuild frayed sexual and emotional bonds. Um, and what I got to say to that is, uh, David, how come you know so much about the sex lives of your friends? What's up with that? Yeah, David. David is talking to to his friends and somehow determining, like, uh, oh my god, yeah, it just all went downhill ever since he he uh, watched. Oh no, the mailman is in my wife, Volume Two. He's like the trans people in Rod Dreher's uh, horror story about the movie theater. Yeah, no, but he's, he's doing it to strengthen heterosexual. Marriage, yeah, he's doing. So okay. Yeah, exactly. 
No, uh, uh, David hates the sexual revolution. Like that, that is the main windmill that he tilts at. He he can't stand it. It's like the cultural revolution, but worse. That's like I mean I think that's the most honorable conservative psychosis you can have because everything else like eventually every culture war just gets lost to time and people like Rod Dreher and fucking David French dying. Uh, but. I mean, talk about one that you're picking up the mantle of battle before, like, long after you've lost. Like, no, people love porn. They're not going to fucking stop. <laughs> no one's going to stop fucking jerking their dick 20 years into marriage because, like, they read David, this freak David French. They're like, well, I read his other articles where he's, like, going into women's bathrooms strapped with grenades to kill trans people or this psychotic <laughs> article where he doesn't allow his wife to email other men while he's okay we'll get to that we'll get we i want to get to that in, in a second but all i gotta say is good luck getting jonah goldberg to uh share his brazzers password with you david yeah jonah goldberg is definitely watching fuck team five <laughs> he start. he was in fuck he team was five, he I was <laughs> what are you thinking about perambulating your dingo <laughs> He's one of the guys who can't really get it up during the scene, and the girls kind of roll their eyes at him, and then he just sort of sits in the corner uh, and watches. Jonah Goldberg looks like that because a roller girl stepped on his face with one of her skates. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so I want to go to I want to go to the second uh, selection from the David French uh, canon, and I, I think this one will give you another really good idea of uh, who, wh- what this guy is like. Uh, this one's not about sex, uh, but this was. Um, well, I guess it is. It, it's all about sex with him. But this was uh, an article he wrote in the National Review uh, a- about uh, the death of Prince. Okay? Um, let's see. Uh, he said, so he says, quote, uh, to spend time on the mainstream and left-wing internet last week or to listen to some of the web's more popular podcasts. Thank you. Thank you for listening, thanks, David. Thanks, David. Uh, you would have thought that America lost a national hero and not merely in an immensely gifted artist. Comedian Dave Chappelle called Prince's death the Black 9-11, and he didn't seem to be joking. Shut up already. Damn. Yes, I know I'm contributing to the madness, but here's the blunt reality. In our post-virtue culture, we worship celebrity and talent, not for its own sake, but for ourselves. Their talent is all about us. Their fame is for our amusement. Uh, David, essentially that is what uh, musicians and well, yeah, entertainers are. What else would it be for? Are, that's what they do? They, yeah, they entertain they us? Always, that's the point of <laughs> so you don't have to think about your shitty life. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, maybe, what maybe what maybe the hell has that never been the case? Maybe if David French tried that, he would have let his marriage die years ago. <laughs> Instead of, like, just being like, you cannot... Like, all right, I know, I'm foreshadowing a lot. But, like, uh, he does the National Review thing. It's a very National Review thing where they break down something into such small pieces that they think they're they're making it sound, like, at its core objectionable, but it's right. They're like, uh, uh, t- married men go on their computer and masturbate to pornography. No, they don't cheat on their wives, but they work their dick up and down, and they come on their stomach, and they wipe it off in the bathroom, and no one is hurt. That's insane. And when he says he's talking about musicians, but he's, like, him trying to break it down. Like, his inability to um, experience the same sense of loss that uh, the broader culture is feeling because they've experienced joy and... 
uh, pleasure in, in, in remembering Prince and listening to his music. Like, he goes on in this article, like I said, is like the... Uh, the sort of incredibly pretentious version of one of those Facebook memes that are like, if I post this picture of a naked chick, it'll get a thousand likes, but what about the troops? Um, he goes on to say, uh, pop music fills the hymnals in the temple of the self. We are stars of our own biopic, and we just lost someone who wrote part of the score. I mean, again, he's just describing like what pe the the pleasure that people feel out of listening to music and he and like and it drives him crazy that like he can't partake in that because essentially he's um dead inside yeah because he's he's like he's like oh yeah so people are sad because a musician who made songs that were very important to them in moments of their life where they fell in love or uh they had a major milestone that's sad to them um and he's painting himself as like he's living the correct life just this joyless fucking freak <laughs> so wait, you're here's the Facebook. All, you're, li you're listening to Prince when you could be sitting at a table eating saltines and planning regime change in Iran. <laughs> this is where he gets into the the the, the real Facebook meme shit. He says, uh, "Our country doesn't lack for heroes, but our true heroes certainly lack for fame." He's talking about himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's now now David was a he veteran of the Iraq War. He was once yeah. a troop. He is a troop, but he says, but "Okay, he's a troop uh, like, even." Uh, He's a troop like Lindsey Graham, fucking jag officer, uh, in, in the grand Kurt Schlichter tradition of being a fucking desk-bound laywad. Yeah, he says even on the left's terms, valorizing Prince for his transient activism disrespects those who spent their life in the trenches. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but he says playing a guitar doesn't make you wise, and it certainly doesn't make you brave. But it can make you very famous, and for a very long time, too many of us have admired fame as the ultimate human accomplishment. I don't say any of these things to denigrate Prince or his talents. Oh, God, of course not, David. Um, and I don't say this to shame people out of listening to music they enjoy. <laughs> Could have fooled me. Uh, though not all music is worth hearing. Rather, it is time for a dose of perspective. Music has its place and gifted musicians undeniably enhance our lives. But if our hearts are given to these songs and those who make them, then our lives are unnecessarily impoverished. My dude, what, what, what the fuck are you talking, talking about? about? What insane, yeah. uh, this, this zero-sum thing where you can like music and, and appreciate musicians, or you can uh, have virtues and appreciate the truth. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, when you're born, you it's like a video game, you have a respect bar. It's like press F to pay respects, and people paid 100 respect to Prince, and they have, like, three respect left to give to our armed men and women. And, like, what I love, like, he, him trying to, like, carefully imply that Prince wasn't, like, even that good. It's like, what fucking music do you listen to, weirdo? The Opus Dei Choir? Go fuck yourself. You By the way, freak. uh, we should have said this maybe at the beginning, but, uh, Google image search David French... Uh, I've mentioned it in the past. He looks like James Cromwell, uh, who you might remember from James Elroy's L.A. Confidential. He looks like a cross between James Cromwell and Matt Walsh from Veep. I mean, he's a, a, a really just a tragic looking person. I mean, also really. sort he, of like Chris Elliott too. If he was like melting under a really hot, he light. sound like like he sounds exactly like Spike Jones. Like he has a really <laughs> he has that he has a really high pitched yeah Spike Jones he has the, he has the unbelievable nerd voice he sounds oh, exactly amazing. like Spike Jones. Um, 
Now, he also says he's not going to commit large-scale troop, uh, large-scale troops. He's not going to engage in nation building. Yet he's somehow going to defeat ISIS very, very quickly and not leave behind chaos. So uh, that's naive. Wait, hold on a minute. I want to go over this plan one more time. You're scared, right? Maybe. The way this works is you do the thing you're scared shitless of and you get the courage after you do it, not before you do it. That's a dumbass way to work. Should be the other way around. Okay, so so after uh, after it came out that this basically this nobody is the hope of uh, the never Trump people, um, people started you know uh, digging into who is this David French guy, and of course, like we just discussed, a lot of interesting uh, shit burbled to the top of this pot. The the thing the thing that uh, that most people latched onto this reporter from uh, Politico, oh, yeah, Politico. Um, Found out uh, this is an article in the National Review that one of their other writers, Catherine Lopez, wrote about a book that David French wrote with his wife about being deployed in Iraq and being separate from his wife. And I'm just going to read uh, this the paragraph that everyone was going around now. Uh, it says, quote, Before David left for Iraq, he and Nancy put together rules in a painfully honest conversation about human frailty. I bet the conversation was painful. Uh, I'll, I'll give it that. Um, well, and I'm there sure there was no... a lot of frailty. Yeah. <laughs> a ton of frailty. Uh, frailty, actually, like that. Uh, more, more like that movie with Matthew McConaughey and Bill Paxton, where God tells him to kill people. Yes, that kind of frailty. Yeah. Um, okay, quote: uh, There would be no drinking during the year of separation. Nancy would not have phone conversations with men or meaningful email exchanges about politics or any other subject. Nor would she be on Facebook, where, quote, the ghosts of boyfriends past could contact her. When Nancy innocently started emailing about Faith with a man associated with a radio show she was on, she told David about it, and he asked her to end the relationship. David knew with his stomach clenching that the most intimate conversations a person has are about life and faith, and that the spiritual and emotional intimacy frequently lead to physical intimacy. So uh, this is the thing that people latched on to, and I, I have to say that Molly, I get it because I mean I, I get into a, a spirited argument about the nature of the Trinity, and the next thing you know, fucking boning. Oh wait, hold on, all the time. guys! I'm getting a I'm getting a phone call. Uh, Doctor Ben Carson is calling us. <laughs> oh dear! Oh, oh. Ring ring. Ben, another big get. Ring ring. I uh, I noticed uh, you know that uh, everyone is making fun of David France for talking about how uh, <laughs> he's afraid of people putting two in his wife's evil hole uh, from talking about the Bible, but they used to call me Bottom Out Ben because every time that I would talk about Ephesians or 
uh, the book of Daniel, or especially the book of Numbers with a female, I would be hitting it in no time flat. There is a God-shaped hole in every person's heart, but the woman's God-shaped hole just happens to be in between her two legs. <laughs> so, the thing... Uh, so. The thing Molly got mad at, or a lot of people got mad about this uh, among the the sort of bow-tied and bathroom warrior set is that they said that the guy from Politico made this seem like David was demanding that his wife, he was dictating terms to his wife about what she would and wouldn't do when he was away in Iraq. And, you know, they're saying, well, actually, this was really a mutually agreed upon thing between consenting adults, blah, blah, blah. But what I want to say to that is it's still pretty fucking weird. I mean, like, these are the kind of rules that you make in a relationship, like, after someone has already cheated. You know what oh, I'm yeah, saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is somebody <laughs> fucked up rules. Yeah, I mean, this is how we realize, because, like we said, our only previous discussion of David French was that article where he backed up Kevin Fat Dracula Williamson on the basic worthlessness of white poor people by telling anecdotes about, you know, I had I tried to reach out to these people uh, through my church and get them counseling and, and maybe job prospects, but they would just give up and fuck each other's wives. I think we've realized <laughs> now whose wives were getting fucked. I mean, obviously, when you heard about this, everyone laughed because... This is just, this actually is so perfect because it shows how the popular support, the popular base of support for orthodox conservatism is just gone. You know, it's, it's yeah. just, it, the, the ground completely collapsed under <clears throat> their feet. There's nothing left. What is this guy? His, 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 his platform would be war in the Middle East forever, low taxes for rich people, no trans bathrooms. Nothing that we've seen now in, in the, America that's been battered by 30 vicious years of neoliberal retrenchment, just nothing that's going to move any significant percentage of the population. But if he makes his slogan, like David French, 2016, don't email my wife, I think that he, Dude, could, he get could do it. a pretty significant chunk of voters, especially from Trump, because I think there are millions of American men who are deathly afraid of someone emailing their wives. And Donald Trump is not going to stop someone from emailing your wife. Donald Trump's the guy who emails your wife. And I think they realize <laughs> that. And they might decide to go with French because they'll feel like he could be the guardian against a, a, the wife emails. No, yeah. But well, Bill, Bill, Crystal, Bill Crystal has spent the entire past six months like just trying and failing to stop this guy and looking like a bigger and bigger fucking asshole. And, then, and now it's reached its – yeah, it's reached its absolute – like the fever pitch of his fucking humiliation with coming up with this guy that has neither name recognition, money, or political experience to be his like you know his his dark horse candidate against Trump. And the proof but, that uh, he and the proof that he got under Trump's skin is that Trump like shot off three or four emails about how Bill Crystal is a fucking worthless a uh, failure you know, failure. <laughs> and like wow, uh, the guy who literally tweets seven thousand times a day. Gave you three tweets in a row. Holy shit! He must be. Oh, I guess the last thing I want to say about French is um, we've we've had a good time talking about him. It's very funny, but none of no one should take this seriously. No. He's not running for president. He's not running for president. He's not even going to get near to running for president. This means nothing. It's a funny uh, distraction. It's a it's a funny little diversion. Uh, but 
uh, he's he, I mean, David French is going to endorse Donald Trump probably next week. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the big thing about the Never Trump people is they are all pussies. Like, all of them are cowards. You're scared, right? Maybe. Even when they stand up and put their finger in the air like you see in GTR's avatar. <laughs> they can feel their right knee buckling because they're about to kneel in front of Trump, just like Paul Ryan did, just like fucking Mitch McConnell did, just like all of them, because they have no principles, and their biggest fear is that Trump will just go on without them, and they'll be like, oh, wow, these people had no fucking power, no one listens to them, they're pieces I of mean, shit. David French has principles, but it has to do with emailing his wife using the correct bathroom and never ever masturbating yeah no david french has the same principles as like the fucking uh the guy invented graham crackers so people would stop checking <laughs> <laughs> yeah the road the road to wellville guy yeah okay uh should we uh should we roll the uh the bonus uh ron fournier content let's do it i think we should enjoy it, it people it's handcrafted enjoy enjoy and uh once again uh let people know about this excellent premium content. We now have over 700 subscribers. That's up 300 from just last week. So that's all you guys. You're doing it. Um, and just uh, keep letting the, 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 Kasich, uh, free, the Kasich supporters, the freeloaders, the hobos, uh, let them know about all this ill shit that they have to... Uh, and we let, got let them, Ben we Carson got, we, for this one. We got yeah, yeah. premium guests on this content. Join the party. Everybody come to the party. We want everyone in our party. Get in the pool! <laughs> so, Felix and I, as you know, are uh, massive Fournier fans, and we have pursued, like, just the deepest, deepest Fournier cuts. And here's something I found that we watched. Well, we watched as much of it as we could. It was, like, three in the morning, and we still hadn't fucking filed our article. <laughs> because we <laughs> were fucking so deep in a Ron Fournier mythos. So, in 2007, Ron Fournier appeared on C-SPAN 3. <laughs> and this is a mixture of talking about Applebee's America and talking about hot soup. That's why I think it's a good segue. This is, uh, I, have no, I have no idea, this was like part of some uh, college convention thing, uh, like some college day, where Ron's interview in a C-SPAN studio was live broadcast to these two college campuses where there's, like, you see... The uh, they have live feeds from those campuses, and there's just like these conference rooms with like five just bored-looking students, you know, who are there to fulfill some class requirement, listening to Ron Fournier get interviewed. And Ron Fournier talks about Applebee's America a little bit, and he tells talks about his influencer theory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technology is changing the way we communicate across the spectrum, and changing the way we connect. Um, but the big powerful force now on the internet are these social networks like YouTube, like MySpace, like Facebook, like HotSoup.com. It's the new gathering place in American society. Pull back the lens a little bit. We are going through a once-in-a-century change right now. We are going through the same kind of change that we did at the beginning of the 19th century when we were coming out of the agriculture era into the industrial era. Now we're leaving the industrial era for the infotech era. And just like 100 years ago when the old ways of connecting like uh, barn raisings and knitting bees were no longer relevant, and you had this huge uptick in these fraternal organizations where people wanted to come together. Uh, Rotary clubs, Elks Lodges, Boys Clubs, Girls Clubs, NAACP, all these groups were formed in a few years in the last century as people wanted to reconnect. What's happening now is we're finding new ways to connect, and it's largely online through these social networking sites. And that's what we're going to do at Hot Well, you know, 
uh, in the uh, early 20th century, everybody would be a part of a, a social club. Like, uh, you might be a member of the Elks Club, or the Rotary Club, or the NAACP Club, but people... <laughs> People these days don't join clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. the NAACP is just like a fun community club like the Elks Club or the Bowling League. <laughs> he, he says that. It's yeah. the most acidized it's thing. So it was an incredibly popular club in the 20s. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Yeah, like, no, it was there was, really another, it was another big social club. It was a bunch of guys. They got together. They partied. They barbecued. And they all wore some Like the, the same. Martin parades? They love parades. White power! White power! motherfuckers Miami PD <laughs> yeah but Ron when Ron saw footage of the clan for the first time he was like oh wow they uh they put white sheets over their head to hide their affiliation <laughs> that's uh, talk about no labels that's pretty novel. you know uh, when you're uh, when you're all dressed the same wearing those hoods uh there's no D or R next to your name uh you your affiliation want... is American yeah yeah R Ron I want to say too like the college students who signed up because we've probably watched this video like three or four times maybe daily but uh if you they should have put those kids on suicide watch. Like if you saw if you were a kid at a college and you signed up to see the Ron Fournier live cast, like you should have gotten a call from mental health services the next day. It's like, are you all right? Like have you had <laughs> thoughts about hurting yourself? Wait, can we I talk am about right. I'm an influence. Can we talk about the uh about like in his PowerPoint presentation, the uh yes. the, the quick okay. time. Yeah, yeah. So uh so Ron is just, so this is early two thousand seven, like January two thousand seven, and Ron is the founding editor in chief of hotsoup.com. He left his job at the AP Washington Bureau to join Hot Soup. Uh, so they play uh, at this C-SPAN event, they play this promo video. And I don't know if this is C-SPAN's fault or their fault or what, but this, you know, vaunted new media uh, media conglomerate uh, gives them this choppy QuickTime file. And I know it's a QuickTime file because you see it playing in QuickTime Player as it's displayed on C-SPAN. Uh, I, I will dig up a screenshot of this so you can post it to the Chapo Twitter account. And in this promo video, it's like, uh, it's like fast cuts of... Like the same fucking bearded white middle-aged professional guy just like extolling the values of hot soup. And it's just like a uh, guy at a bar uh, cuts to Ron Fournier being like uh, one out of every ten American is an influencer. And that's what hot soup is for, the influencers. And then it cuts to this like beard fuck who says, oh my god, he says, uh, <clears throat> yeah, think of it like American Idol meets the McLaughlin group. That's hot soup. Oh. That cuts to like Matthew Dowd being like, hot soup, commentary, sir, fresh. <laughs> uh, now it's, hard, it's, hard, wait, it's hard to see why this uh, this venture went belly up. It really is. I'm shocked. So, uh, it's, it's funny because one of the first people they interviewed was Barack Obama. <laughs> and this is lost to the sands of time. I, I think, I think, and I think when concerned. Like tears in the rain. I think when, like, far-right people talk about, like, Barack Obama has a secret history, that it's a dark history that they've hidden. Ba Barry Sotero. The, Barry Sotero. Yeah, 
They're talking about the hot soup interview. <laughs> Why is the hot soup interview deleted? <laughs> yeah. Why ask questions? Who deleted it? The Tom Vilsack's interview is still there. Mike Huckabee's interview is still there. <laughs> yeah, like Donald, when Donald Trump was a birther in 2012, he's like, all I'm saying is, how come this guy doesn't have any hot soup archives? Believe me, I poured through the hot soup archives. I was an investor. Does what? What did? What did? Uh, what did Hussein say? What did he tell Ron Fournier and the Supers? What did he tell them? Did he say he was born in Kenya? Is that why all mention? of it has been scrubbed from the internet it, what do you have to hide it was probably like really offensive like ron probably did ask him are you born in kenya but not as a birther just like uh well i just uh i'm curious so it's about time we had a president who's not an american <laughs> yeah, that's the greatest compromise of all uh so let me let me try to set the stage for hot soup because i don't think we've a- uh, adequately explained this website which exists in some screenshots in the internet archive hot soup is basically a glorified message board that's completely unwieldy the premise was you're going to get influencers uh, left and right and middle all together in what is literally just a comment section to <laughs> argue with each other. And it worked exactly as badly as it sounds. Uh each week, they had, like, the hot soup question of the week. They had some goofy name for it, like, uh, the cracker. And uh, each day, each weekday, you would have a different social influencer answer this question. And the questions were all written by Ron, and they were all completely asinine. Like, uh, uh, do you think... Uh, Congress can find bipartisan solutions in this day and age? And the people answering the question were like fucking uh, Lance Armstrong and uh, uh, like Paul Begala. Like these fucking dudes. Like, like there were hot soup fans who were like, oh boy, it's Tuesday. I get to find out what uh, Shepard Smith has to say. Like to answer the freaking question. Uh, that And that was it. That was the whole thing, which was just... Uh, this, which was just like, it's just an internet comment section and like asinine like interviews online in 2007 when all of this crap was old hat by now. But uh, I guess they just raised a lot of money from the second they just got, They got a lot of people in a room and just told them they were all influencers and they were like, oh, yes, why, yes, I am. Uh, this theory yeah. makes perfect sense to me. All, all these people, like, Alan, like, Alan Dulles's second son, <laughs> whose like brothers are all evil lawyers and creating like legal framework to protect Blackwater massacres, and he's just like he's just like a consultant who's bouncing around lame dickedly. They're like, well, uh, Alan Jr., you're an influencer. And he goes, you know what? I've always thought that. <laughs> so uh, Hot Soup goes belly up. Ron returns to the AP and is named the chief <laughs> of the AP Bureau. <laughs> Possibly the dumbest man to ever practice journalism. Uh, so uh, then Ron joins Twitter. He was an early adopter of Twitter along with Matthew Dowd. And just for fun, and because I am obsessed with Ron, because I'm a dangerously obsessed individual, I search for mentions of uh, Ron Fournier from the Hot Supers, and there's a few there's a few Hot Soup refugees who are like tweeting like encouraging stuff to Ron, like I remember you from the Hot Soup boards. Uh, that, but here I found this one interesting thing, and this one is this is exactly what turned me into a fervent Ron Fournier. Uh, I don't know what you call it, nationalist. Uh, uh, for, I knew a 48 uh, Yeah. This was an argument 
between Ron Fournier and Josh Marshall of Talking Ooh. Points. Oh. This one made me mad. This we one got made me so fucking mad. Fucking mad. Fucking Josh Marshall. Fucking dipshit. Josh Marshall. Like they were having like some argument with Josh and Ron were having some argument about like uh, I don't know. Josh was like, "Oh, partisanship is good," and or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Josh just just delivers the lowest blow and says, "Oh, hey, how's that hot soup working out for you, Ron? Fuck you, dude. Fuck you, you piece of shit. You try creating something down. beautiful in that world." Hold on a sec. Hold on a second. Do you think the hot soup offices had a sex room in it? Uh, no. No, I don't think so, but here, but they did have this one thing. Uh, uh, By the way, for listeners in the show, the uh, the Talking Points Memo office does have a sex room in it. So it's just a little insider information for you guys. That's where you run that Acela Derp on those thotties. But but Hatsu actually did have this one thing. It had an intern who was... uh, (laughs) Who we love. Oh, wait, no, no. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Uh, it was an intern who uh, uh, we looked up because we're obsessed with Hatsu. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I can't keep justifying this. We are insane people. <laughs> Dude, we're fucked in- up. Intern who ended up working for uh, John McCain in 2008, then ended up working at uh, Bloomberg. And we looked him up, and he <laughs> writes for this, was it Armenian or Azerbaijan? An Armenian. He's like an Armenian nationalist. This hyper-nationalist Armenian blog. <laughs> and, where he hold on writes- a second. Can I just clarify that this was not Dan Kay from Montreal? No, though he did also work for Hot <laughs> Yeah, there were co-workers there. Uh, yeah, after working at Hatsu, after interning there, he took his abilities to this uh, Armenian nationalist blog, writing uh, pretty much just like like calling for the genocide of Azerbaijanis, <laughs> calling Azerbaijan like they are less than a colony. Yeah. They do not deserve to exist. Uh, posting like uh, shit, <laughs> posting just an ancient, like the coming war with Azerbaijan. Uh, the Russians will, uh, they will invade from the north and they will solve the pest for us. They will, they will smash the cockroaches thank you Putin. <laughs> thank you our friend and yeah and like we our dream is that we like we give this to like yasha levine and he just sends he does the thing where they're like we gave ron fournier 87 questions to answer in two hours but ron would answer all of them. ron would answer every, <laughs> single, every single one, one. of the questions yasha levine would have no idea what to do he yeah would... like we we kind of want like to send to send all of the crazy internet people after ron not like uh, don't our fans know. Do not harass Ron. No, love Ron. Love, no, love Ron. No, yeah, Chapo Nation. Him. Please be boy. nice to Ron Fournier. You, you know how like woke people are like protect protect Beyonce at all costs. No, protect Ron at all costs. <laughs> they're they're trying to drag Ron. <laughs> but but uh, we want like the really crazy internet like conspiracy theorists to go after Ron because like he would break them. Oh, like they've win. never experienced anything like Ron. Anything so just essentially impenetrable and obtuse. They, they yeah. couldn't. They couldn't get through it. Yet, yet strong in his convictions. Yeah, he's he's like he's like a rock. They would be like, Ron, you're a NATO shill, and he's like, huh. Well, uh, let's see. Explain that one, buddy. Uh, uh, actually, I'm on the record as saying NATO, Warsaw Pact. Why not both? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh.